What is up, everybody? Welcome back to TMT Time. I'm your host, Evan Rothstein. I'm back here with my co-host for Law 5D, and that, of course, is Visa's Lindsay Schultz. Lindsay, what's happening? Hey, everybody. Glad to be back yet again. And for the first time ever on Law 5D, Lindsay and I are welcoming in a third, a guest on Law 5D, and that is Lindsay's ultimate boss. And so Lindsay will be on her best behavior for today's podcast. And of course, I'm talking about the general counsel at Visa, Julie Rotenberg. Julie, welcome into TMT Time and Law 5D. Wonderful. Thank you, Evan. Thank you, Lindsay. So excited to be here. I love the name. It's fantastic. Well, I yes. appreciate Yeah. Should we remind 5D. people what that is one more time? Yes, good. <laughs> Lindsay, tell us because I always forget. Well, you know, it's law dorks that dish about data, digital life, and daily news. But today it's decidedly less dorky, I would say, because now we have Julie here to make it a little bit more credible. I, I don't know, Lindsay, that the, the, the dorky <laughs> nature of it appealed to me. So I'm in <laughs> Great. on the 5G. Awesome. <laughs> I, I promised Lindsay that I would try to be more serious and less embarrassing to her in front of you, Julie. So I will hopefully meet meet that standard I set for myself. Um, okay, fair enough. Although I, I hope you won't, but go for it. <laughs> uh, let's kick things off, Lindsay, with, with Julie, because what's interesting to me is she is an Arlen Porter alum. Uh, and so I would be really interested in hearing about Julie, your career trajectory, because obviously the general counsel of a major international corporation. Uh, and I think our listeners would love to hear about how you got from, you know, A, B, C, D, all the way up, obviously, to Visa. I'd be happy to share. I will try to do the short version because no one wants to listen to the long version. But um, so I, uh, I actually came to Arnold and Porter right off of my clerkship. So I am, when you call me an Arnold and Porter alum, I am like, I was the baby lawyer who walked in the door and it was my first you know, job post clerkship and, and really grew up at the firm. So I was at Arnold and Porter for almost 13 years, um, you know, came up the associate ranks, was a partner for many years and had a great experience there. And uh, it was from Arnold and Porter. Then I went straight to Visa. So I guess I'm in my job number two post clerkship and uh, have been at Visa for almost 14 years. It'll be 14 years in February. And um, maybe just just a few highlights from my Arnold and Porter time before I switched to Visa. Uh, you know, one of the great things for me and that has helped me when I came over to a client and, and in the job is that I, I really did a lot of different things at Arnold and Porter. At the time, they were super flexible about letting associates kind of try different areas before you found your kind of comfort zone. And it gave me a lot of exposure to different areas of law, really helped me think differently about kind of challenges in front of me and trying to think about them from lots of different perspectives because I had done different things. Um, I had amazing mentors. It's a it's a great place. I'm sure, Evan, as you are experiencing yourself, it's a great group of people and uh, really guided me to kind of look at every problem as a, you know, how can we be practical? How can we find the right solution? In addition, of course, to bringing really sound legal judgment um, but it, the, you know, the ability to really come at a problem and say, okay, I understand I have to be a good lawyer, of course, but you know, what are the, what are the best solutions? How can we help the client solve the problem it was a really great mindset that brought me that, you know, came into Visa. So I worked at Arnold and Porter with Visa. Visa was a client and, um, 
And that led me here. And when I joined Visa, again, almost 14 years ago, that's crazy. Um, I was in litigation doing competition matters and because that was my background at the time. And, uh, you know, Visa has also been a place where I've been able to really do a lot of different roles within the legal and compliance function, which has been great and a great opportunity, but really helped me get to know so many different parts of the business, so many different parts of the function, so that over time I was, you know, in a position and, and be honored and thrilled to take on this new role where I'm, I've become officially general counsel. And, uh, you know, that really depth of knowledge of the business and how to approach clients has been incredibly helpful as I kind of take on this new role. So I'm very thankful for my time at Arnold and Porter. I think it, it they they did me well, so to speak, and helped setting me up for success. And um, and I'm you know thrilled to continue to work with the firm. We have a a long relationship and appreciate the partnership that that they bring to us every day. So we we are obviously very appreciative and thankful of you remaining with us and remaining loyal to us, uh, but. Before I go too far down the the rabbit hole on on AMP, I don't want to cut Lindsay off. I think she was just about to ask. Oh something. no, you're good. Good. You're good. We can we can just go with the flow here. No, I mean Julie, I think um, you've just had this amazing career tra trajectory, and I think that it's really interesting that you mentioned. You know, part of the reason why you got here is because you've been doing all these kind of different things along the way, and just had a lot of really practical perspective. And I would say that practical practical perspective had to shift when we got into the pandemic and then suddenly everyone's virtual and you know i mean like for instance you and i have never met in person we always see each other on a computer screen um because i had the misfortune of starting right before the pandemic started um so so can you tell us what it was like to sort of take on such a, a much i mean you already had a big role but you now you have a much larger role How, what was that like doing that during the pandemic and navigating all of that yeah, it's um it's a really good question, Lindsay. And you know, it's funny when I was thinking about this session and and some of the things I may touch on, this notion of the number of people who started the pandemic is really top of mind for me. Because you know, when you're when you're a new leader or or a leader and taking on such a big function, really driving kind of connectivity and uh, you know, uh, and kind of bringing the team together and really focused on delivering what we need to do for the business while we build um, collaboration and, uh, you know, just kind of the team spirit. It's hard to do when you can't get together in person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're a great example of it. You haven't been able to meet. I don't know. Have you met anyone yet in person? I've met. I, uh, there was like three weeks where I actually was able to meet a few people awesome. when I was in Foster City. But yeah, since then, it's just been, you know, me and my computer friend here. Well, that's not true. You uh, met me in person. We met in person, see? So. She's being well, well, yeah, yeah. No, no, no visa okay. person since yeah. then, though. It's, yeah. it's really hard. And so I have thought a lot about, you know, what to do to, to kind of really make sure that we build those that connective tissue, everything from you're probably sick of hearing me at so many all staff, so much communication. I probably over communicate at this point, um, really trying to build connection, you know, have team meetings that have a lot of different people in them if we're if we're covering a topic. We probably have too many lawyers sometimes in meetings, but it's intentional because we want to make sure people feel part of the discussion, have a voice at the table, even if it's a virtual voice at the table. So, you know, I think it's important that we, you know, really focus on that, but I am so ready to bring people back together in person. Yeah. So when it's safe, of course, mm -hmm. but I, the connective tissue that we built over, you know, pre-pandemic, 
And then with folks joining, it can only carry us so far. We really need to come together and, and recreate that. So incredibly important. And I'm can't wait for us to do it safely. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, I will say that I found Visa to have done a really excellent job at keeping people connected, whether it was just offering like a little virtual social gathering or just making sure the right people were at the table. I think that that's super important. And just being a new person, you know, I never felt like people were going, oh, why is she in here? Or, you know, um, I mean, I always felt like my opinion was valued and that people were, you know, listening to me in this virtual setting, which isn't always the case, right? Like, it's very easy to tune out when you're in this remote setting, you know, multitask, I don't know, you go walk your dog. And, you know, I, I always felt that people were very engaged um, in whatever the issue of the day was. So that's been really good, even though obviously starting a new job during a pandemic wasn't the ideal situation. It's so um, hard. It's yeah. so hard. But I'm glad you felt that way. And I think for everyone, you know, just feeling like you can join a meeting and be part of the, you know, be at the table. And, you know, it's so important in the pandemic, but it's just so important generally, you know, as we focus on inclusion and diversity and make sure that that's real and not just buzzwords, you know, to your point, Lindsay, being in the room, being part of the conversation is so incredibly important to feeling connected, but it's not just pandemic really. It really matters for, you know, we talk about inclusion and diversity, but to make that real, you really need to have people in the room, have a chance to kind of weigh in, be heard, get the different perspectives that we have. Um, you know, that's the whole reason we have inclusion and diversity is that we really want to, you know, we value different perspectives and we want to hear them. And if people aren't in the room, that, that can't happen. So it's incredibly important in building a team that that kind of we develop that in, in how we function. And I think the pandemic has reinforced that more than ever, you know, as as new folks start, they need to be in the room, even the virtual room with their colleagues and be heard. So incredibly important. So what kinds of things have you done uh, during the pandemic to foster the diversity and inclusion aspect? And, and what sorts of things have, have worked? What sorts of things haven't worked? And, and how have you been sort of been able to assess it, even though people are mostly you know, doing things by Zoom or Teams? <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, Evan. I think we think about it from two perspectives, both internal and external. So let me start with internal for a minute. It, I think internally, obviously, we're super focused on making sure that we are continue to build a bench of, you know, uh, diverse candidates, really have a robust interview process. Um, but also for the people who are here at Visa, really making sure that we're having programming that both for those, you know, for all of us, it's, we cannot put the responsibility on only those who are diverse to carry the water, which I think historically we probably have been guilty of just like, you know, across, you know, not just us, corporate America has been guilty of. And so really making sure we're building programming for the entire legal and compliance function about education, learning opportunities to think differently. We did a series of what we call community conversations on on tough topics, right? Where we all came together and had learning sessions on things like microaggressions and how to be an ally. And then really took away from that as to, you know, how we can all implement that and what we do day to day. So incredibly important topic, definitely not done. Need to keep going. There's so much more to do, but also externally, I think holding our law firm partners, see Arnold and Porter and every other law firm, we work with a lot of firms and I think Visa has the ability with our voice um, 
to really influence firms and make them go further. Like, you know, I, there's nothing I dislike more than being told, oh, don't worry, we have a diverse team. And like, we see the diverse team, but then we never see the work they do. They're just Mm -hmm. thrown in for a pitch. I'm like, oh, that drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, So really holding the firms accountable for having diverse teams, including their teams, seeing them, uh, members of those teams get real work and not just like be thrown in for some kind of pitch. And, um, you know, we up those standards every year. We have a program that we've put in place to evaluate our firms. We score them. We recognize those that are doing really well. And uh, we want to continue to hold firms accountable. We wanted them to deliver on the inclusion and diversity initiatives that we ourselves are trying to deliver on. We think it's incredibly important. The other external factor is us as a company, right? How can we do more and influence? So um, we've really leaned in to, you know, kind of programming to have an impact. We have a um, kind of a, a scholarship program that we've put together. I think we're trying to do things to move the needle. We've hired a new chief diversity officer who is amazing, Michelle Gathers-Clark, and she's really come in and, and really revitalized and, and focused on how we can move the needle, how we can go to the next level on focusing on inclusion and diversity for Visa. So I, I like what you said about how you're getting buy-in from outside counsel, because obviously, as you know, and all of our listeners know, big law firms are notoriously not hospitable places for diverse and, and women lawyers historically. Um, and so we have, I think, unique to us, more work to do than probably a company like Visa. And you don't really have the impetus or the push to do it until your clients start doing it and telling you. And then then you have it. But, but what we and many in the industry are facing is, so there's like, there's this backlog of having not done, you know, the best job for a long time. And you have to really emphasize, in my opinion, the younger lawyers and bringing them up and including them and being intentional about including them. So not just, as you say, putting someone's face on a pitch, but actually bringing them in, mentoring them, being an ally for them. And not, not, you know, one of the things you said was, you know, earlier before we started recording was not saying it's all on a diverse person to do it and then a diverse person to help the diverse person. You need people at all levels of all walks of life helping everyone else um, to make sure that they get there. So Yeah, I mean, and you do, and it's really obvious when it's um, not authentic. I mean, we've heard horrifying stories from black and brown colleagues about how they're just sort of, you know, firm experiences or whatever it was th- just thrown into a, a meeting just just to be a face in the room to show that they're diverse. I mean, hor- horrifying stories, really. And it is obvious to the clients when, you know, when we get a pitch deck from consultants, for example, in privacy, because we're we get we use a lot of consultants, you know, when they have those representative faces at the back of the thing, but it's not clear whether or not those people are going to actually work on the project. We, we notice that, you know, I mean, like people have to do better. It's just not, you know, it, this, this needs to get much better in my opinion. Yeah. So Julia, as you probably know, Lindsay and I are like LinkedIn warriors. And so <laughs> the things that we see on LinkedIn, like you see it's firms putting out, like, here's our new partnership class. And nobody's like, bothered to see the fact that it's like 12 white men and there's like one woman stuck in the middle and you're like what first of all what are you doing wrong at your firm and second of all who who okayed that going out onto LinkedIn 
it is it is kind of crazy that after you know with everything that's happened in the last few years and that you know it just the heightened focus on race and sensitivity and the horrendous acts of violence that we've seen and murders that have happened that people's awareness is still not where it should be but I feel like in in our little corner at Visa, there's more we can do to influence law firms. And so I am very focused on that. I want our firms to be accountable. I want to see progress. I want to be part of like, you know, helping young associates have opportunities by holding our law firms accountable to give them that. Having diverse teams, having, um, but it's more than that. Having those team members have real opportunities and uh, it's something that we spend a lot of time focusing on. I'm, I'm, I won't reveal on the podcast, but we, we're constantly thinking about how we can up the game on this. So, oh, I mean, re- I, that's one another thing that I've liked about the company, right? Like being still relatively new. I mean, Visa really does put things into action. They're not just words. Um, but you spoke about sort of um, helping associates along the way, and you know, we've we've talked a lot um, in our IND committee within Visa about career development. So what, what would you say to the, the younger lawyers um, or even the mid-career lawyers in terms of like um, developing their careers and sort of, you know, figuring out their path? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, Lindsay. And, and I think the one thing I want to make clear whenever I answer this question is there is no one way, right? Like I have a path and I'm going to talk about that in a second, but, uh, and Lindsay, you've talked, you've heard me talk a lot at Visa about the ways in which you can grow as a lawyer, and it and it really does vary. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I would say two things for for lawyers who may be listening in. Maybe let me focus on the firm, and then I'll talk about Visa because I think it's a or you know in house lawyers a little different. So um, for you know for young law firm lawyers, I really encourage them to you know as they think about their growth path, spend some time learning their client. You know I sometimes will share my pet peeves with. Uh, firms who ask me to. And one of them is like the the lawyers who don't even read our press releases, don't read our 10K, aren't, you know, you're on our matters and you're so focused on what's in front of you that you don't really get to know the client very well. And it's shocking to me that it still happens, right? In the age that you can set like a Google alert, it's not that hard. <laughs> um, so you don't have to do that much work. When I was a young lawyer, I had to like go pull paper. So anyway, I... Um, I really encourage lawyers to kind of build their relationships with clients by spending time learning what clients are focused on and care about. And in this day and age, it's pretty easy to pick up. So it's it's something I encourage people to focus on. Um, And also, you know, for both in-house and outside lawyers, I often talk about my path, both A&P and at Visa, frankly, is I never thought about my role as a box, right? I, I never thought about it as, Here's my box. That's what I'm assigned. I need to stay in my box. I thought about my role as a platform. I have to do what I'm given. It's on my platform, but lots of things may fall on it or tie to it or connect to it. And, you know, by nature, I'm kind of a curious person and I would like, oh, let me, let me follow that thread on my platform that fell on my platform. And let me think about that. And how does that connect to other things? And to be really honest, that often leads to new opportunities for both in-house lawyers and a law firm lawyers. If you are interested in something and you follow a thread that is somehow connected to what you do, it will often lead to new skills, new work, new opportunities. And, um, and that, that really leads to growth as a lawyer. So 
don't be afraid to raise your hand for an assignment, even if it's not in your sweet spot. Um, I, when I was at Arnold and Porter, I, for reasons I don't fully understand, decided to dabble in um, intellectual property licensing agreements uh, when I was a competition litigator. AMP kindly said yes when I was a younger associate. I'm not sure why they said yes, but they're like, sure, if you want to do that. And um, I learned a lot doing that. It's not what I stayed in. I ended up doing other things, but I learned a lot and it came in really handy at other stages in my career. And it was really just because they had the work and needed someone who was willing to do it. And I'm like, sure, I'll give it a shot for a few months to help out. So opportunities like that come up and they really create growth, I think, for lawyers because you get some visibility into other areas. I'm not saying go crazy like with intellectual property licensing agreements, but for all those <laughs> who are on the phone, who are listening, who are licensing lawyers, it's awesome work. It just doesn't totally match with them. Um, competition litigation. I'll just share that. Yeah, that really resonates with me. I mean, um, a lot of people ask me how I got into privacy. I mean, like I, I get maybe one person a week trying to, you know, do more privacy or learn about privacy. Um, and it's exactly that. I mean, I just was, you know, in a situation where I just kept wanting to know more about things and, you know, like more privacy work just kept coming and it wasn't really, um, anything that complex, but ultimately, you know, you become the expert and then people pay attention. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it really does help you grow as a lawyer when you have exposure to all these other areas. And the other great thing about it is you meet other colleagues, right? You're suddenly working with different people, either within the firm or, mm -hmm. or, out, or in house, you're working with different people and that kind of exposes you to other opportunities as well. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about leadership and sort of what your guiding principles are as a, as a leader at Visa. I mean, if I think about the leaders at Visa, I just have so much respect for even just how they manage their time, <laughs> to be honest. Um, like, what are your, like, the guiding principles that you apply to, I don't know, various situations, because obviously it's going to be maybe a bit different when you're dealing with the board versus like your, um, your team and, you know, what kind of carries you through? Sure. So, I mean, I think when you think about working with the team, right, as an, as a leader with a kind of a, a global team, it, I think the things that kind of are really, for me, always top of mind and whatever I do is, and it may sound obvious, but I like to say it out loud a lot, is like, we want to do the right thing. We want to do the right thing by the business. We want to do the right thing as an ethical company. But as lawyers, we always are focused on doing the right thing. As compliance professionals that we have in our function, always focus on doing the right thing. So um, it sounds a little trite, I get it, but it is a really important principle that we live by and, and are focused on. But um, the other things that I tend to focus on as a leader is really empowering the team. You know, I cannot be everywhere at once. And it would be really miserable for our team members if they thought that I was looking over their shoulder with everything they do. Uh, so it's so important that we empower the team. Everybody, like, you know, the leaders that report to me are empowered. They can empower the people who report to them. It's really important that everyone feel like, okay, I have this that I own and I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to work to do really well at this. You know, there are times where senior people may get involved, but knowing that, they feel empowered and they they have things that they can accomplish on their own is incredibly important, I think, for for the morale of the team. And then, you know, it is it's so important that we partner well with the business. You know, I think of all of legal and compliance as important partners with our business colleagues, and we're there to help them solve problems, to be practical, to 
figure out how they can do what they want to do in an appropriate manner. And we spend a lot of time really digging in and learning the business and understanding what's happening so we can be the best partners we can be. And I, I really put that kind of first and foremost when I think about my relationship with my clients is how can I be the best partner I can to them? And so as a leader, I'm trying to instill in the function, you know, let's make sure we have team empowerment. Let's make sure we have a, um, a really great cohesive group that's inclusive and, you know, collaborates across the function. I like to think of us as like a, you know, legal and compliance is not massive. I sometimes joke that it's actually smaller than, um, you know, my uh, high school, graduating high school class. I think I'm stealing this. It's true. Yeah, that's true for me too. Yeah. Right. From a retired Arnold and Porter partner who used yeah. to say that, but I, I love the analogy and it's true. And by the end of four years, you knew everybody in your, in your high school class. Right. So um, I, it's, it's a very true statement. AMP used to talk about this all the time when I was a young associate and I've kind of, it stuck with me because it's really true. And I want the team to stay connected so that we can collaborate and come together to be great partners for the business. So those are the yeah. things I tend to focus on as a leader. And you've done some really simple things. I mean, the um, the weekly report is a good example, right? Like that helps you get the critical information that you need without, you know, doing what you said about hovering over people, right? Um, and so just, just for context for, for our listeners, basically Julie requires all of her direct reports to send a weekly report of like big things of the week and and it's both internal and external events um and then she can basically um choose to get more information or not and i think even that is just like a really really simple way to like have really effective communication that's great it's great to hear not everyone loves it as much as <laughs> um i don't think i i sent a lot of emails uh from that weekly report <laughs> i get it for everyone's benefit i get it every friday or well i guess wednesday thursday and by Friday, I've read it and lots of emails go out with questions. Mm, yeah. Um, not everyone loves those emails, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's my way of trying to keep things simple. You know, yeah, a, a yeah. blurb on a topic is a lot easier than, you know, I'm not a fan of big, long legal memos. My, I think mm-hmm, they're like, mm-hmm. not, I, feel like I don't know. know. Yeah. I don't know how they started. I'm not a fan. But um, so just getting a blurb helps me know what's going on. And then I can follow up if I, if I want. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to hear Lindsay that you like it. That's good. (laughs) I read them all. I promise. I read it all. (laughs) Yeah. I think we would probably be remiss too if we didn't talk about what you said in terms of like getting to know the business really well, because one thing that people ask me about in terms of visa um, recently is that we did this big rebranding and now people are seeing commercials about how um, visa is a network that connects everybody. So, um, and I think that'll help us tie into the uh, digital part of the 5D uh, series as well. So good, good if, job you... bringing it back. Thank you. Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, well, well done. Well done. Um, so can you talk a little bit about um, that effort and sort of how Visa is working, working on pivoting? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's so interesting. Like I, you know, just as I'm going to digress and then I promise I'll answer your question. You know, <laughs> after 14 years, people always ask me, how can you still be a Visa after 14 years? Almost 14 years. And one of the things I often uh, say is, you know, how much Visa and the industry has evolved to keep up with technology in those 14 years. You know, I find it just fascinating how payments has changed, how many, you know, new ways payments are used, how people think about payments, um, and how we've even gone beyond core payments in some places. 
Um, and it's kept my job really interesting for that entire time. And, you know, what's happening now is we realize that, you know, so many people think about Visa as my credit card and my debit card, but mm-hmm. Visa is so much more, you know, we're the technology company where, you know, I, I, where we, you'll see it in the ads, the trusted engine of commerce, but it's so true of what we do. We're, we're really connect, uh, creating that connectivity to help economies thrive. And we want people to understand that we're so much more than, than that old school piece of plastic in your wallet. And so I think these ads, which I love, I hope everyone's enjoyed them. I think they're really well done. I kudos to our team really has, kind of reinforce that we are so much broader than just the individual payment card and that we're really focused on how do we, how can people think about us as a broad technology company, but also that trusted en- engine of commerce that really gets at um, that, that mission that we have of having everyone able to, you know, be economies that are inclusive for everyone everywhere and complete what they need to get done in that economic environment. So it's an exciting, mm-hmm. uh, really exciting transformation. And we're looking forward to continuing it. We're not, we're just at the beginning stages, but uh, I think it's been great. And I've gotten a lot of great comments too. People love hearing about what Visa does. That's so much broader than that kind of core payment technology. You've turned it right into the new economy and you're moving forward with it and you're doing new things with it and you're progressing, which is, what companies with a solid brand like that should do. And so we should also at the law firm, we also can do that. Like there's a lot of new legal technologies that we're employing, but we can take the brand and do different things with it to service and help clients and partner with clients uh, all across the board, including on some of the things that you've touched on here, Julie. So, I mean, I appreciate that. And I have noticed the Visa commercials and I do like them. Uh, and so, yeah, and I've noticed that like Lindsay has new branding and stuff on her emails and everything that we've seen. So it's been, it's been a good turn. I think you're obviously getting good legal advice, maybe from us, maybe from somebody else, but it's good advice. (laughs) We're getting great advice, but I have to give kudos to our amazing marketing team. Like they've done a, a fantastic job and, um, we, we actually tend to do a lot of marketing work, uh, in house. I admit for the legal side, because we have such a fantastic legal team. <laughs> anyway, they, they've done a really great job on the marketing front and, and our marketing team, the business side has just really delivered and uh, it's very impressive. So I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that you like it too, Evan. Yeah, it is true. I mean, there's so many things that don't work without Visa, you know, and you don't know. And so I think the idea is to like bringing that to the forefront, right? Like we are the connected tissue underneath a lot of things, right? Or the connective tissue, I guess, but um, yeah, and it's, it's been a fun time. So I have, I have a question and our listeners probably don't know, but like, I literally just, my entire computer just crashed and it was like, <laughs> like that moment when I'm, I'm in court or when I'm a junior lawyer and I'm in trial and judge asks you a question. And when you're up at the podium and you feel like it's taking very long time for you to answer and you're, <laughs> the silence is killing you and, and then you answer and then you realize it was only like eight seconds. I felt like that the entire time my computer was rebooting just now. Like, what's going on? Why am I missing? Why isn't this loading? I think uh, we, I think we mustered through. I think we're all yeah. right. Hopefully no, you'll hear it and be like, oh, that was a pretty good conversation. Yeah. See, um, I have a question. So you, you said, I, you know, and I was sort of tongue in cheek. I don't know if Arnold Porter does that work for you. What, what are you as a general counsel of a really obviously international multinational company, like when you're hiring outside counsel and, 
they're doing pitches or you're sending out RFPs. Are there like sort of do's and don'ts or like horror stories or amazing stories that you've seen that anecdotally or informationally would be good for our listeners? Sure. Um, I'm just going to come back to the theme we talked about on inclusion and diversity because I don't want it to get lost. Don't don't throw in names for the sake of having them in the room. It will not be lost on us and it will be it doesn't go well. Think thoughtfully about who you bring. I think sometimes people bring the most senior partner and the big name because they think that will influence us. And sometimes it does matter. I'm not going to deny that, but we really want to understand who's going to be working on our matters. So be thoughtful about who's in the room. Um, Focus your pitch on what we're trying to get at. You know, some people come in and pitch the entire firm. I, I, it's a good reminder for firms that you wouldn't be the in the door really if we didn't think that there was some reason to have you there. You know, we don't just like, it's not random. We just don't go through a phone book and be like, oh, let's have these, all these firms apply. So, um, you know, really focus your efforts on what we need. Uh, you know, I think a lot of firms come in and be like, well, I know you're looking for this, but we have all these other practice groups that we'd love to sell you on because they're awesome. And I'm like, that's great, but that's not what I need today. Let me talk about what I need today. Um, do some homework before you come. I'm sorry that I have to say that out loud, but the number of, of firms who do come in who don't really understand our business always surprises me. Um, I kind of talked about that earlier in the podcast, you know, read our media statements, read our 10K, whatever, whatever's of interest to you. I, I love that point. I, I mean, that's a tremendous point because I mean, I tell the teams that I work with all the time, like you should have Google alerts set up on every matter that you're working on and read them because that's your business. Those are your clients. You need to know that. A hundred percent. It really surprises me how that is not ingrained at every law firm and it, it really matters. So if you come in and you, you may not get it perfectly right because but if you come in and say like, oh, I saw this in your 10K and I see how it relates to what we're talking about, it's good. It gives you a, it gives you a baseline of knowledge. Um, you know, I do, I want firms who are sophisticated about how they think about Visa. You know, it's, it's important that firms appreciate that we're a global company and that, you know, we need to think globally. That doesn't always come through. I think some firms are very, very focused on what they, the task in front of them. Um, so having that perspective, don't be afraid to call your colleagues in other offices is, is helpful. And then of course it depends on the matter. You know, we, we're talking about big global matters, but there's lots of smaller matters. It might be a, a very local, you know, I'll use Denver, Evan, you know, we have an office in Denver, um, Evan, where you are, and it might be, we have an employment matter there and it's very specific. Come in, talk about what that, like focus on, on what we need in the moment. I think that's always the best advice. I remember earlier now that I'm thinking about this when you said not everybody could can be the same lawyer. And I loved what you said, but then you said not everybody could be Evan. And I was thinking it's because of my long hair right now. <laughs> no, well, no, no one can pull that off. I mean, yeah. I'm not even sure you're pulling it off. It's, but. it's, it's, it's like at the <laughs> end of like, is it professional or does it really not? But you're you know, in Colorado and you've got the plaid shirt. Oh, you're going like to get full me in Colorado. I really just meant not everyone should be the same kind of cookie cutter lawyer. Yeah. 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 I, I know. I heard you, but that's yeah. I'm very I mean, self-conscious I, about the long hair at this point. I know. I think that's great though. I mean, I, I will say, you know, I, I mean, I, I've, I've talked about this on this podcast before I have a theater background. So when I went to law school, I was like, I don't know if I fit in here, but I 
think I can do this. And it took me a long time to really figure out like how I could fit that part of myself into a legal career because I was, I was trying to be probably too serious, maybe um, emanate other people's ways of being. And then, you know, I finally reached a point where I realized that's not working, but it took a while, right? You know, I have to have the confidence and kind of figure out what your, uh, what your thing is. I would be interested in both your guys' opinion on this statement, which is, I think the pandemic has helped people be more authentic to who they actually are and show who they are um, because they're not in the series environment all the time. So uh, maybe that's why I have long hair, but I'd be interested in hear both your reactions to authenticity, which I think is one of the most important uh, attributes and qualities of leaders, especially um, right below leading with empathy, which are my two things, but I would be really interested to hear both your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of leading with empathy, by the way. That's one of my favorites too. So I, when I went through all my principles, I should have had that in there, but I totally agree with you. Um, I agree. I 100% agree. I mean, just the, the fact that we have this bird's eye view into everyone's homes has kind of exposed, I think, more of yourself in, to your colleagues. Um, we've all gotten a lot more casual, which I love, you know, it's great. Um, I think that it, we've, we've broken down some barriers. We've also created in a kind of unexpected way, this equalization concept where we're all like boxes on a screen. Um, and I think that's created, um, has changed the dynamic a little bit as well. So, I mean, look, the pandemic has been not great in, in so many ways, right? Just devastating. But if, we, if we're trying to find a silver lining, I think it has created kind of connectivity and um, openness in a way that has been good. I think we've all gotten to know each other a little bit differently. Um, early on in the pandemic, we shared a lot of stories about how we were all managing through it. Um, so I think I, I agree with your premise, Evan, I think for sure. And I think as I think about coming back to the office, I want to make sure we don't lose the good parts of, the, of that, that you know, it's allowed us to connect in a different way. Like I've been able to admire Lindsay's curtains behind her for a while now. Like, well done, Lindsay. Lindsay, you should weigh in now on that question. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I do feel that um, personally during the pandemic, you know, trying to figure out like what, what my work persona versus the, the home persona was um, definitely blurred. And I also think, you know, getting back to sort of that, like, theater person side of me, I did feel more comfortable just doing, you know, things like this where, um, you know, I needed some outlet and some extroverted activity and, um, you know, found a niche within the law that I could still play in, right? Like it, I didn't have to just, you know, quit and join an improv troupe or something. Um, and so, yeah, for, for me, I do feel that that's been the silver lining primarily. Um, many things that were not not so great, but in terms of feeling a little bit more comfortable in my skin and sort of marrying those two sides of myself. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I have like, I just like talking to people and the podcast has sort of been my outlet for that. And just the learning, just the sheer learning um, has been tremendous for me. And it's allowed me to be, I think more authentic with people in person when I see them and obviously in the little, little box screen, but Julie, I want to be respectful of your time and I do want to spend some time here at the end talking about stuff that's not so serious. Uh, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> what you do um, outside of work for fun and obviously being the 
general counsel of a major company is probably stressful. I'm not going to ask you the ridiculous question, what keeps you up at night? I think that's the most nonsensical question ever. I'm going to avoid that. Thank um, you. Thank you. Uh, and, and I'm going to ask you instead, like, how do you manage your stress? What do you do outside of work? How are you dealing with all the negative impacts of the pandemic and sort of having a lot of weight on your shoulders? Yeah, you know, it's it's a good question. It's um, it's I, I feel like I never have a good answer. Does anyone have a good answer to this question? I don't feel like I ever do. But I, for me, I spend um, my family is spread out across the U.S. and I um, I spend a lot of time trying to stay connected to my family. I think that is for me like the number one thing that has helped me manage this challenging time. Is you know whether it's Zoom calls, phone calls. I've done some traveling post vaccination. Um, staying connected to you know people who matter, friends and family, has been I think the number one thing in kind of managing the stress of the pandemic. Um, I have discovered the outside, you know, <laughs> that sounds so, so ridiculous, but, you know, I've worked in an office my entire career and, um, you know, I'd leave early in the morning and come home late at night and I would only be outside on the weekends. And I've discovered you can actually go outside in the middle of the week. It's like a totally dramatically different thing. You can go for a walk in the middle of the day. You can take a break. And, uh, that has been a really, I know it sounds, people may be laughing at me on this when they listen to this podcast, but it's been a sea change to think about the day differently for me. And, um, you know, my day has extended in a lot of ways, both with the new job and with the pandemic hours, I think that we've all been keeping. Um, and I have, of course, the global nature. So early mornings and late nights, you know, unfortunately are not uncommon as we will be for many lawyers who are listening. Uh, so really carving out time to actually leave this room that I'm sitting in has been incredibly important. So those are those are probably the biggest things. I have a few um, guilty pleasure TV shows that I find myself watching, which I mean. All right, what are they? You got a name. I don't think I can do it. Can't give us one, <laughs> just one. Come on. <laughs> All right. Oh, just one. Um, that might not be too embarrassing. I okay, so I will own up the fact that I am like addicted to the Food Network. And so I am like in a stage right now where I'm watching every episode, even the old episodes of the Holiday Baking Championships. Um, See, that's that's awesome. That's good. Insight. I thought you were going to come at us with you watch all the Real Housewives. Um, no, 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 not that. But I, I do. I watch a lot of Holiday Baking Championships and I find the whole thing fascinating, even though I'm not making cookies at all. The Christmas cookie ones are my favorite. So there you go. See, I, I like Great, that. You're I, making me hungry. Yeah, I like going outside too. I, I actually, I when I used to leave work for like a doctor appointment or something, and I would get in the car and I would drive around town in the middle of the day, and I'd see all these people driving outside, and I was wondering what, what, are, who are these people? What are they doing in the middle of the day? How are they doing this? Why aren't they in their giant tower like I am? You know, slaving away. And now I like being out outside and going outside, even if it's just for a couple minutes with the dog. It's it's invigorating. I agree. hundred percent. I used Absolutely. to have the same thinking. I'm like, who are all these people out here? And now I'm like, Oh, that's normal. That's great. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. I feel mentally balanced. All right. Well, uh, you, before we started recording, you talked about some podcast lists that you listen to and things on Spotify. So I do, I have to ask you now you got to give oh. it to us. What are you listening to besides CMT time and law 5d, which is the best everybody should like download uh, for Lindsay and I, what are you listening to? Uh, and what do you like to listen to? So I think I'll, I'll give you two flavors, the top podcast and the top 
music. So the podcast, a little bit predictable. Um, the Daily is my number one podcast. I listen to The Daily completely. And if I miss it during the week, I literally on Saturdays when I'm cleaning the house or doing a little work, I have it run and I listen to the entire week if I've missed it. Um, I'm a big fan of Revisionist History, Malcolm Gladwell's podcast, fantastic. I have been slightly obsessed with everything relating to Theranos. So there's been a lot of podcasts on the Theranos trial and everything that's going on with Elizabeth Holmes. I, I listen to them all. I admit that. I can't turn it off. So, so is she going to get off, do you think? What's your prediction? I, I'm going to, I can't predict that one. I can't, I can't go there. I'm going to, I'm just listening. Just listening. Hunt. Hunt. By okay. It, <laughs> uh, okay. Music, I will say, so 2021, especially the beginning of 2021, was apparently the year of Taylor Swift. So that the folklore evermore, like just completely came over into 2021. I listened to a lot of the struts. If you guys have not listened to the struts and you're listening to this, please do. They're, you know, older band, but well worth your time. Awesome. So um, I have a, I have a pretty eclectic listening taste in music. I'll listen to almost anything, but it seems like those two rose to the top for 2021. So that, that, that's what I got for you. That's awesome. But I think every year is the year of Taylor Swift somehow. <laughs> she's, she's like timeless but yeah. it seems to be it's impressive mm-hmm. anyway yeah. the uh didn't she just have like an expose and there was a big dispute with jake gyllenhaal isn't that isn't that like just oh happened? yeah i think her latest song they think that she's like talking about him but i think it was yeah i think she's yeah. doing the taylor's version of all of her uh-huh. music yeah. that's right masters <laughs> and one of them is like a, allegedly the story of her relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal but and there it tells you something about me that I know all that so there you no, go that's great that's great that's the, Look, stuff that's, we the like fit, that's the fifth d oh, we gotta hit <laughs> exactly that. the daily see, life yeah see, I'm uh, fascinated by that story that she's re-recording her masters I'm like good for her yeah totally and now no one will play the old one so all right well Julie this has been tremendous Lindsay, I'm very appreciative of your time. Obviously, you're yeah, super busy. You. Um, I can't say enough great things about thank you for coming on. Thank you, obviously, to Visa for continuing to place its trust in AMP. We're super appreciative. Um, been great to get to know you a little bit better and catch up. Lindsay, we're going to do some more Law 5Ds here coming up, I think, hopefully in the end of 2021 and in early 2022. So listeners, stay tuned. Yeah.